Trippin' in the Woods podcast. Welcome to Trippin' in the Woods podcast. Thank you for stopping by while you're trying to survive out there in the woods. Before we start this episode, a word from our killer sponsors. This episode is brought to you by... Oh yeah, it's that time of year again, fellas. Valentine's Day. And if you forgot to get a gift for your loved one, we have you covered. For just five bucks, we will call your loved one and scare them right into your arms. Listen to this one. Ring, ring. Hello? Just because it's half off appetizers doesn't mean you order all of them. And the way you walk is weird. (laughs) Babe, babe. I just had the scariest phone call. I just need you to hug me right now. What'd he say? He knew... He knew about the appetizers. I don't know how, but (laughs) be honest, do I walk weird? Another success story. Happy Valentine's Day. Call in now, Billy's Hotline. We're ready to scare your loved one back into your arms. Welcome back to Trippin' in the Woods, episode 10. If you made it this far, you're ready for a big finale. Final girl moment, episode 10. We are doing the first original seasonal slasher, Black Christmas. There's never been a holiday slasher film before Black Christmas. You didn't even you didn't even introduce us. Like I don't even know who I am. Oh, right now. I well, let's let's get your good real quick. How are you, uh, Michael Niebauer, host number two? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> I'm glad that you guys invited me on to be on this podcast so much it really fills that little void that's in my heart that you know i didn't even know i had until i put on these headphones and i picked up this mic well merry christmas it's the season you know of giving right now so we're, we're glad to give you a, a spot on the greatest horror podcast ever created and let's go to co-host number three because we are into threesomes here steven how are you Hi, excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and by the time this episode comes out, Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) 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 All right. This is the most dick move. Yeah, Happy Fourth of July, Steve. Listen, Happy no, Fourth of July. Listen, uh, I got feedback. I got feedback from our last episode. Where it was supposed to be for Halloween, but I said Happy New Year, and he was like, "Dude, you almost hit the nail on the head because the episode came out after New Year." Sure, sure. Damn, you got feedback that quick. But I think we do have we we did pull in some diehard listeners that literally as soon as you post plays, it goes into their Spotify or wherever, and these are people that absorb podcasts. So he was listening to it before I got to work that morning. Yes, this morning. Yeah, I posted it at two a.m. and by the time I was getting the picture ready to post the advertisement at twelve, it had five listeners yeah. already. Yeah, Alex Melendez is one of them already, That's so awesome. shout out to my boy Melendez. Yeah, shout out. Thank you. We appreciate it, and appreciate the feedback, man. We're in our Christmas episode. We did our, our Halloween episode for episode nine, so now we're in episode ten. Who's the director, Steve? Bob Clark. Bob Clark of Black Christmas, 19... 1974. Ooh, 1974. Real quick, real quick, cool thing about Bob Clark. We'll talk a little bit more about him. Not a, not a lot of people know about Bob Clark. Is that no, he say? actually grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and he went to the University of Miami. As uh, all three of us being South Florida boys, um, I think that's a little, you know it's a good thing to end our season on uh, Bob Clark's iconic 
slasher film, pre-slasher film, whatever you want to call it, Black Christmas 1974. I did get a, a pretty good Floridian vibe from the movie, and uh, I just wasn't sure really where that came from, but now that really makes sense. Yes, even though the movie, to, to me now. movie I believe, is yeah. shot in Canada. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, it could be in the Keys. It could be, you know, down here in Miami. It could be anywhere in Florida. Just, you know, that's what the vibes I'm getting from it. <laughs> did you, you know, know did snow. you know Bob Clark, Steve, because of how old you are? so yeah black christmas this one was not that popular when it first came out and then blew up with a cult following and even when i grew up watching horror films i knew about black christmas but it wasn't a go-to it wasn't the halloween it wasn't the friday 13th and nightmare on elm streets and rewatching it now and i watch it pretty much like every christmas i don't i don't know why not this movie is fantastic from beginning to end and for 1974 man push some push some good boundaries put the the fighting women at the forefront i i, I think it's such a great film it's the number one it's the best christmas horror film can you name anything that could rival it or be number two um i mean i i i like black christmas 2006 okay um, I never saw Black Christmas 2019 and Krampus. Maybe Krampus you could say maybe you want to throw in there. I would say better, better watch out. I love that one. That's such a good Christmas horror film. Oh, the other movie I was gonna throw in there was um, uh, Rare Exports. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen that one. Isn't there like a Leprechaun one that's during Christmas? I can't recall. I don't know, Mike. Like yeah, the, it out. Usually St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, that's where leprechauns come from, Mike. St. No, Patrick's I thought Day. they were doing like a genre <laughs> defying, <laughs> defying you know, masterpiece say. there. A non-St. Patrick's Day into a Christmas <laughs> movie. What about the, not the gremlins, what's the other one where like those, they're like little round balls. Critters. And they like eat people and then they turn to a, yeah, Critters. Isn't that like a Christmas Gremlins movie? is. I'm not sure about Critters. Oh, you know what? Oh, I mean, we're, we're totally, oh my God, I can't believe we let it, let it slip our mind. No, the greatest horror Christmas movie has to be Gremlins, like you said. Gremlins is up there, but no. Gremlins. Gremlins is a Christmas movie. It has all the themes for Christmas movie. It has a cute little fun character that you can actually like and root for. Then it has these nasty, monstrous creatures. And not to get too much into it, because we're not doing that movie right now, but then it has that sick, haunting scene about Phoebe Cat's dad. Yeah, the scene seems so out of place. <laughs> it's a very dark moment in that movie that's not like super dark throughout, you know? It's still like a family film, I think. I know, so. well, that makes it a horror movie. But yeah, let's get back into uh, Black Christmas. Do you uh, recognize any of these actors? No. You should recognize at least the Nightmare on Elm Street one. <laughs> oh, wait, I do know one of them, Lois Lane. Okay, yeah, Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder. Yeah, she was Lois Lane. That's, that's the only uh, but John Saxon was the co- he was also a cop in Come on <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. We did that movie already, Mike. Come on. He's literally like I know. He's like literally a cop in every movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yes, okay. <laughs> the cool thing, yeah, Margot was uh, Lois Lane. She also did Amityville Horror. She's also in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. So yeah, just a couple there. Uh, I was surprised because the main girl that plays Jess, Olivia, I d- I didn't really know where she was from, but she's in it. The uh, original one. Billy boy. Wife of Billy. On to more interesting stuff. John Saxon also, and I mean, you can never jump one of his most famous roles, most famous movies, Enter the Dragon. Oh, I barely remember him in Enter the Dragon. Are you kidding me? Come on. You don't remember Enter the Dragon? Come on, man. 
Yeah, sorry. Oh my god. So cool opening. It, I mean, it opens right away. It just says Black Christmas. You see the sorority house, which is an actual house you can go visit. It wasn't a set piece or anything like that. So yeah, it goes in there and you get the first phone call. Every time I hear it, it it's still creepy and it holds up. And I feel like it, it will continue to hold up because films are more vicious and brutal and gorier because we can do it. But like wording wise, man, that throwing out the C word in there different voices telling you what I'm going to do to you, this and that. I think that's always going to hold up. And that that sets the mood for the whole film. It was pretty crazy. Uh, it was very shocking because you see like the the, the scene. Uh, it just looks like a normal, normal house. And then you have these, you know, these people in it. And then you just get this super crazy phone call. And, you know, it's just going to go downhill from there. Like that person is going to be in it. You just you just know it. Yeah, and they call him the moaner. Could that be one person? No, Claire, that's the Mormon Tabernacle Choir doing their annual obscene phone call. Yeah, like, oh, the moaner's yeah. on the phone again. Cool cool thing about that is, uh, I mean, in movie magic, this is most likely almost like all movies with phone calls. Uh, the director, there was nothing on the phone call. The director was pretty much saying lines, but he was actually saying lines that were way less brutal or shocking because he wanted them to feel kind of like, oh, they've been hearing this guy like all week or for a couple weeks or whatever. And then they put the, the script over it, the, the recording over it. That was way more shocking. So that, that was a cool little film magic moment. I Especially for that time, I could definitely see how people were like, definitely probably be shocked and flabbergasted. I could see why I probably didn't, the movie didn't take off at first. I could definitely see how it could probably played off of the fact like later viewings of, oh, this is the raunchiest movie you ever see. Because I even was like, damn, this this guy's, you know, this is ridiculous, dude. Like, I think really what it came down to is not a lot of people had telephones back then. And so they couldn't really connect with the audience because you're speaking through this telephone and they still don't have very many of those in their house at that time period. In the 70s? I fucking hate you guys. I know, I was, like, what? <laughs> was it a joke? or? Yes! These are dropping <laughs> Obviously, they have phones in the 70s. I was going with, it was so old, they didn't have phones, but obviously they have fucking phones. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, listen, these jokes are not landing today. It's yeah, fine. I know. It's, it's fine. Rough. You know, just cut it. Just cut Just cut, cut me completely out. <laughs> you haven't even joined the show yet. <laughs> no um yeah, yeah no i i thought it was uh, gratuitous is definitely the word i would probably use which i don't ever use too often but yeah i was like this is like dude like somebody call the cops in this guy find they can't trace the call i mean i know you know later in the movie obviously when they're trying to find a killer they chase the call well that's another thing man tracing a call i i have no we'll jump right to that scene man the guy just walking around all this Scram. technology i have no Journal idea what's 55. going on there and maybe because I'm a little younger than you guys, but like I'm like, uh, he's just walking around. I have no idea what he's looking for because someone explained to me like uh, like I'm a fifth grader, I guess. I feel like they didn't know either. And they were like, just have a guy, <laughs> just have a guy stand at a, at a telephone company and run around. Mike was, I, I was actually not the, you know, Mike was watching it with me when I was watching it for this uh, episode. And he's like, look, does this, this guy would be, probably be better if he was on roller skates, you know, at least <laughs> see him know. skate around in some short shorts trying to plug in all these things. It made no sense. I, I don't think they laid plan on how they were trying to show it. Or I think they had no clue and they were just throwing stuff at the wall. I think, honestly, they just threw stuff at the wall because, like, no normal person at that time period would really know even how a fucking phone works. And so, like, for the phone company to work, they probably literally could have just showed anything. 
And they would have been like, oh, that's how you trace a phone call. Okay. You don't think they did their research? No. No? No. Wow. Okay. I I think I think we got to be way off then. I think they had because like, okay, so let's say like, how big is that (laughs) town then? Like, how many of those phone stations would you have in like a regular size city? Like, I mean, does each one of those little pole thingies that move up and down, is that like a <laughs> person's phone? I mean, he ain't like, wrong. He ain't you know what I'm saying? One. Like, how does that even work? I agree with you, but I have no idea how it would work. And you guys are coming out like, that's wrong. <laughs> like, but you don't know either. <laughs> you would need like five Costco-sized warehouses with fucking phone stuff in it for it to even work. You couldn't even get to the other side. Here's how 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 it had to be wrong. Because there was nothing that he could do or see inside that room that would indicate that specific phone was <laughs> ringing or on the hook. Yet he would be like, no, it's over here. And he'd run over there. Like, how, what, what, what was the light you were looking at? Or what was the sound you were listening for? There was nothing. Was Everything was moving yeah, up, and down, up and down. And he just... Just randomly picks this one. Yeah. He's like, "Oh man, if you stayed on the phone a little longer, I would have knew it was the one that I was looking at." At the very okay. least, they could have just had him like, you know, in the other room on the other phone, just with like a just a, a keyboard, and he's just playing the keyboard. And like, oh, I think we're cracking the the mainframe in a second. Give me a minute here. You know, you don't need to choke out your mic. <laughs> like that's not the mic <laughs> doing it to you, man. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I beat it. And you mentioned the the first remake of Black Christmas, which I don't remember too fondly. I watched the trailer before uh, jumping on here, but I do remember the the later one that came. I don't out, remember the. Uh, I, I, I'm ago. the opposite. I don't remember the 2019 one. I remember the, the 2019 one. one is so bad. It has Carrie Yules in it though, which is cool. But it is and and the main girl is awesome. But it has it's, my girl Emojin Emojin Poots. Love her. Yeah. Oh. But horrible film. Oh my god, so bad. It is brutally bad. I haven't seen either either one. I'm a diehard, you know, fan first, you know, classic. Do you remember the first time ever seeing this one for either of you guys? Uh, The first time I saw it was after I selected it for this round. So you get killer POV, you know, before Michael does it, which a lot of slashers always attribute to Halloween, which obviously Halloween was super influential but this film had it all it had the stalker it had the pov you know of the killer and he goes right right into the attic which no one ever checks the attic which makes sense i guess that was no that was a little frustrating to me that nobody checked the attic i'm like you have like 50 cops in that dude's house and they're all in the that one girl's room really at least at the end yeah at least at the end i mean you had a bunch of people in there and it's like they left her alone in the room, too. I didn't know if that was like a normal thing in the 70s. They just all left. I don't know if it's a normal thing. In the, we, we won't jump to the end. Cause okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Sorry, I didn't want to. No, you're fine. Okay, yeah, he enters the attic. Christmas is everywhere. Yeah, Barb the badass handling the collar, pretty much, you know, telling him off. And then you get the first kill of Claire, who goes to her room. And this cat likes to uh, trick all the women into getting murdered. So Claude the cat meows a little bit from her closet. And Claire walks over there. She gets suffocated by the plastic, I guess, dressing bag. And then this sets up the iconic death of uh, sitting in a rocking chair with a plastic bag over your mouth and that that scary looking face of of suffocation that is the you know the cover of the movie like the movie poster like that's such an iconic scene and what 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 a first kill to set up and just sit around there like parader in the attic and then every once in a while throughout the film it'll jump to the attic have the cat sniffing her clod who i'm pretty sure 
I mean, this is a two-man job. The cat is part of this are deal. We, I was just going to say the same thing. Are we sure the cat wasn't in on it? I mean, clearly a cat's not murdering everybody. But I feel like maybe the Billy or, you know, again, we don't know the killer of the movie. You know, we sure it's not, you know, his cat maybe? And, like, his cat was just staying in the house, and they befriended the cat, and that's how he kind of got his way in, you know? <laughs> Probably not. Billy murders, like, seven people in this one. The cat is a part of two of those, at least. So No, I thought that that opening murder was was awesome, because you're it's so intimate and, like, close. Mm-hmm. And then it does stick with you throughout, like, the whole film. Exactly like you said, they keep coming back, and they, like, show it and stuff. And they, they show it when you start getting to feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, throughout the film, you're like, okay, maybe it's not so bad. And then boom, you like get, yeah, you get it again. And you're like, okay, the killer's still there. Like, nobody's <laughs> right. figured this out yet, you know? Talk, that's why this movie is perfect throughout. It's, it's, it's setting up su- such a great film and it never drops the ball, I think, the further it goes on. It's easy. I know it's easy and I get it for the audience to say, well, go there, open that door, go look in there. But I mean, come on, are we serious throughout the entire movie? Nobody goes up into the attic. I mean... How thorough are these goddamn cops here? I mean, is this what Canadian cops are like? Is this, I mean, what happens? Nash, I don't think you could pick your nose without written instructions. Some murders in the, is this maybe what the 70s was like? Why there were so many serial killers? But I mean, you could have looked outside. You could have saw this girl. Um, You know, it was a cool calling card and I agree with you. And I'm like totally sold on that part of it. But I mean, come on, dude. Literally one person go look in the goddamn attic. They were looking for the whole movie. She was in the attic. Miss Mack went in the attic. And she got hooked. Yeah, but she died. She yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She couldn't leave. She was so annoying. Like, I know they made her, what? like, to be that character that you just wanted to get murdered. But, oh, my God. I was just like, can you just, just shut up? No, like, I loved her. She was, I was uh... waiting for her death. No, she was the comic relief. Oh, I, I loved it. No, it was just not funny. The alcohol everywhere? Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, that was funny. But <laughs> I did I did find the, the alcohol everywhere to be funny. But she was just so obnoxious and annoying. And when she's talking to uh, Charlie in a chocolate factory's uh, grandpa, like she's like covering up the pictures of the butt of the women. And like, I, I thought she was nice there. I thought she was funny. Her uh, her mannerisms there. Yeah, Claire's dead. And then you get the her, her dad trying to meet her up, which looks like he's looking for Willy Wonka also. Now, Jess goes to inform her boyfriend about her pregnancy. And her plans to get an abortion. So this is setting up later on. Now you got the mystery of who the killer is. It sets up. Oh, this is what? What is that terminology, Steve? Uh, red hair. Just like having a wart removed. Red herring. This is your first red herring right here. Peter, who doesn't do himself any justice, <laughs> gets emotional. angry, very yeah. emotional. Mashes his piano. I, I don't. He's get a. Center. He's yeah. a musician. Yeah, he's a center. Yeah. <laughs> we're defending being you know a whiny baby yeah he was just a baby so then now there's like a high school girl missing do we think this is uh part of the killer or is this a separate mr harrison's daughter is missing deal because it kept referencing you know having the search party out there looking for this high school girl i thought it was separate because i mean he already had like where he was it didn't make sense because he killed somebody in a person's house in mm-hmm. a house and it was full of people already. So yeah. he could get away with murder. So it didn't make sense. And he left the body there. Like he didn't do anything with the body. So it didn't to me make any sense that he would go out of his way to kill some like either kidnap somebody or 
kill somebody in a park that was already there, even though it's snowing. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me for that to happen. Like, I got they wanted to do like that misdirection a little bit. Yeah. But I was just like, no, it can't, it's not it's not the same my time, idea so. for it, because we don't know how long she's been missing. Obviously, when her mom is uh, notifying it, I think that maybe he did that, you know, because apparently her body was it, it's found and it was really messed up. I think he did kidnap her and kill her and hid her to keep the police on that search for a while while he took his time in the uh, sorority house for the rest of the movie. I think that's all that was, was just to throw a line out there to keep police busy for a little bit while he does his his rest of the, you know, house. Miss Mac discovers clear body, but is then hooked by the killer. I like this because it's not like an instant kill where the hook comes around, gets her, and then she just gets taken up because that's more of an like unrealistic deal. You hear her scream for a while, which I guess no one's in the house at this moment, but she's screaming and you hear Billy's voice a little bit. Like He definitely takes care of her in there. And I love this is definitely another point of seeing less is more because we don't get to see all the kills and we don't need to. Because we already know this guy's creepy ass voice, which we tie to every time there's a scene with him involved, and we know what he can do with the suffocation girl. So I don't, I don't, even, I can't even imagine what he's doing to Miss Mac. That was another terrific kill, and now we got two bodies up there waiting to decay. Well, I liked, like you said, I, I liked the way, I liked the way he killed her, and I thought it was very done very well. But going back to her character, I, I, if it was just a sign of the times, I don't think they were really trying too hard with her character. Like with all the different liquor bottles hiding around, they were kind of you were you know you were building her character there, but I just it was just to me like I don't know she's an awful character. She was I, I didn't get if she was just there to get boozed up or she's trying to be their disciplinarian. I mean obviously she's the house mom. I found her funny. I, like I, I didn't really find her funny. That's all I was saying. Yeah. Didn't sell me too no. much. Again, didn't take away from the movie because I think uh, Olivia Hussey did a great job and Margot Kidder obviously. John yeah. Saxon, even even Peter, even the eccentric Peter. So now this is another uh, point. So we talk about the phone tapping bit where we have no idea what's going on. Anytime they show a musical recital or whatever, I have no idea what's going on unless they just fucking like completely die. But we watch Peter do this piano bit with people watching him. And he's sweating up a storm, which I guess maybe that's supposed to be an ode, but it sounds pretty good to me. Apparently he did a terrible job, which you have no idea until later when he smashes the piano. That was a little weird. They didn't. Yeah, they, I don't think they they really established the like the shot very much for those. Yeah, because you don't know necessarily what's happening. You only see like a couple people and then he's just there. And I, I didn't I didn't think they they really made it seem like that was the pivotal thing for his like whole career. Like if he didn't nail that, then he's. He's pretty screwed. I feel like overall in like most movies, whenever they have that kind of scene, I never still know. Jess reports to the police and then this is where she finally, you know, taps the phone. Barb has an asthma attack and she has that. She's like, oh my, I, I feel like I had a nightmare with someone in the room. There's another point of where like, God damn it. Now when I'm alone in a house and I think something happened, you know, who's to say it didn't happen now because then she ends up getting murdered. Yeah, but I thought that was like super weird too, though. Like, Why? Why put that scene? in there the asthma attack no where she's like oh i dreamed somebody was in the room you know like so it, it's a blend with oh i'm not really seeing this i'm having an 
asthma attack and I might be dreamy. Okay. That's where the creepy part comes from. Like, if you ever have a nightmare that felt so real. I wake up and I, I can't sleep then. All right. So, yeah, she has the asthma attack. And then you get the uh, Christmas carolers, which this is another shocking scene for me that uh, I think is so effective and works so well. The murder of Barb by the glass unicorn. Unicorn. Yep. Cutting to children's faces singing a Christmas carol. Like, that's insane. I, I love it, but that that's super hardcore. I, I, it's great. Uh, no, I thought it was totally awesome. Because you see, like, it, it's like a little bit different side of, like, the killer. But it's still, you know, ruthless. And he did it, obviously, knowing that, you know, his, his actions would be masked by the people outside. And I love that uh, he keeps referencing, like, Agnes and this and that. Like, things we never learn about. Like, we don't know anything about this killer by the end of this film. And, and I love that. You don't need to know everything. I, I like a more open ending like that sometimes. It makes it scarier. That that means it can happen to me. I, I don't know who this fucking guy is. Ain't no, none of us. I mean, I, I agree with you. Actually, I really agree with you. Is I, think, I think you get bogged down too much with trying to explain too much and trying to give too much of a motive. And I think the scariest yeah. killers always don't have a motive or don't know or don't have a, a, a clear motive or don't know why they pick those people to kill or you know because a lot of movies they want to say oh because well, they went this way or they went to the wrong house or they did this but you know you don't need all this stuff i mean if we've learned anything from those last three halloween movies you know when you when you get bogged down on trying to explain too much you kind of start losing the sight of uh what you're doing there those movies are so bad and atrocious okay yeah and then now we're gonna get to the part where you find out the killer is calling from inside the house the caller is in the house the calls are coming from the house which is taken in a couple other films when a stranger calls and, and all that and i think it was done in, in a film before this that's such a a, a bone chilling moment and her reaction i mean like i don't know what you do you know you know you have friends in the house i i think i would do what she does where you just scream their names kind of deal <laughs> But then I'd, I'd try to leave. That 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 moment is just like, oh, I, I can get the nerve wrackingness of that. What do you do in that moment? You know your friends are in the house. What do you do? It's it's weird now. Could you say that that kind of trope is kind of over with now? Like, how do you do that trope now? Because every, everyone's the scream has done yeah, it. Everything is, oh, the, the call's coming from inside the house. We chase the call. The killer's inside. The, like, I feel like. And not only that, I mean, they've even played jokes on it with like scary movie and all these other like like uh, comedies. They've they've lampooned it kind of. I feel like you've you've killed like you said in Black Christmas and definitely when a stranger calls. When a stranger calls, like those were chilling moments when they happen for the first time, and they say, oh shit, it's inside the house. But now it's been been parodied and lampooned so much. I feel like you can you can't do it right now. I I don't know I don't know how you could do it because like I said, even in the original Scream when they had scenes like that you were like oh oh forget me that's actually coming from here like you hear the phone ringing you know yeah I, I don't i don't know how you do it now but what do you do if you're jess you know the detective guy obviously is just like hey you know just tell her to go outside don't say anything don't say whatever yeah and then they get like the worst person to fucking talk to her on the phone <laughs> you know so like oh yeah uh why don't we just hand the phone to a little kid and they can describe what's going on in the house you know to, to her instead and it just seems like the cops in this movie are just so inept. Like, they've never been cops. <laughs> like, I think they just randomly pick some people and they're like, all right, look, here's a badge. And then 
this is a wood gun. We're not even going to give you a real gun, just like in the other guys. They're like, here you go. Because like, okay, so they knew that there was two phones, but they only wanted to tap one because they didn't get calls on the other one. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily make sense. I mean, it was scary because it was like one of the first films where you do get that, oh, the person actually is in the house. He makes so, his he's so loud on the on the phone calls. Like, how would you not know, like, somebody's in another room saying that? I don't know if the house is, like, that big or if, like, yeah, whatever it's made out of, I, the, whatever the walls and stuff are made of, I don't know if they're, like, that thick to be able to stop that much sound coming through. I'm not sure. No, I don't think so at all, honestly. When I've been in those, like, wooden, like, houses, like, you hear the creaks everywhere. Yeah. Especially in wintertime. I, I don't know about putting the two phone things together, because what do you do? You'd be like, oh, there's another phone line. What do you let's go look at the phone? Like, what do you want to do with it? I just feel like tap them both and then we're going to go. And then that guy can figure out how to tap two phones at once. You can't even tap one phone. I know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if that would do anything. (laughs) So they're like, we don't use the other one. That Yeah, that was fine. What they did with the the phone. No, because if you're like a detective, you're going to try to cover all your bases and you're going to be like, all right, fine. Fuck it. Can't, uh, you know. Do both of the phones. No, what happened was, is they actually, they talked to the guy about it. And they, they, it's a cut scene. You guys, you can look it up on YouTube. There's actually a delete <laughs> scene from it. And they asked the guy, and they're like, you know, after the first trace goes wrong, they're like, well, hey, there's another phone. Maybe we should tap both. He goes, listen, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I went through to tap that first phone? If we got to tap that second phone, I got to go to the next station. It's 30 miles out, okay? <laughs> you ain't going to get a hold of me, okay? We ain't going to get there. We're going to need a whole army of guys just running around with tapping metal and slamming metal up and down. It ain't going to work. See, that's what I said. Like, how many of those buildings do they have yeah. in that town? Like, yeah. I mean, you would have to, like, invest some serious man resources, you know, everybody, <laughs> getting this Everybody has rollerblades. Everybody's got short shirts on, so that way they're maneuverable, so they can get to the right plug. I'm going to research the phone tapping business back in 1974 <laughs> so we can figure this thing out. But as Jess, do you go upstairs? Okay, you- so I... I- well, no, I think I think the cop should have explained it better and just been like, hey, look, the cops want to meet you outside. You know, just go outside and talk to them real quick the or something like said, that. Hey, you know? yeah, please go outside. The cops are going to be there and we'll go in together to get your friend. He didn't say that. Not even that. Just go outside and talk to the cops because then she wouldn't understand like, oh, there's a killer in the house. Oh, my God. It should just be like, OK, the cops want me, me outside for some reason. But okay, that's fine. I can do that. True. Yeah, but if you say, "Oh yeah, the cops are going to go back in the house with you," then that then she doesn't have any reason to leave in the first place. You know what I'm saying? You got to throw it out there, man. You got to throw a line. She wasn't I don't I feel like she was never going to go outside. I, I thought the guy couldn't really do anything at that point. She has two best friends that she knows is in the house. We see Barb's death. We don't see Ph- Phyllis, I think was the other one. Phyllis, yeah. So yeah, and then she runs up there and then this is another one of those iconic shocking moments when she opens the door and sees the two dead bodies which which is fine you know we we've seen that million horror films nowadays but fuck that of hearing the voice and looking to the crack of the door and just seeing that fucking eyeball i'm the eyeball yeah yeah i'm not running i'm dead that's it you've got it you won that's that's a scare right there i'm i'm over with kicking right into the door he's turning on that stump pillow that's what he's doing I'm going to say, all right, buddy, let's go. Bring it. Let's go. Bring it. <laughs> Bring it. I got my favorite pillow. And he pushes it, and, and he runs, and then it cuts. I, I love the cut here because you see his bloody hand go around the door. And I love how, how you only see bits and pieces of his, his hand here, his feet here. 
you never get to see the full body of him coming down or not like and it feels like a lot of times they're like oh the girl's running and the killer whatever he's off screen so who cares how slow he is no he catches up pretty quickly and grabs her hair from reaching over the stairs which was a cool little thing there until she gets to the basement and, and locks the door we get to the basement scene where he bangs on the door for a little bit and then peter conveniently shows up is this realism do you, do you believe this is happening do you believe peter has anything to do with anything going on or what no i think peter's just wrong place wrong time and he's an idiot yeah yeah from her point of view i'm not sure like it i mean in the movie she doesn't know if it's him or not obviously but then like when he breaks through the window i'd be like yeah what a fucking psycho yeah you know that guy's probably the killer now at this point you know and like obviously that's that's misdirection for the movie but like in like a actuality you will you don't know what that person's going to do you know they i mean they literally broke through the window to like try to talk to you after you've told them repeatedly that you don't want to talk to them yeah no i don't think anyone's gonna even blame or feel feel bad for him or, or blame her for killing him no like he definitely set that up to to be murdered there which then it turns out you know she goes upstairs and i guess they don't take her like she has cuts and stuff you, you think you take her out to an ambulance but this is also canada so i don't know if it was different back then but you think you, she'd go get checked out right you don't just sedate her throw her on a bed and then we're like all right we're done here boys and then that guy the guy the old guy like passes out because he you know as he found out his daughter died he has to go to the hospital but they sedated the, they sedated the girl she's gonna be up for a while let's just throw her on her bed hey uh hey cops we gotta get out of here you know we're gonna get in trouble just in the room it's like yeah, no shit. The girl's passed out. Like, you're going to be in trouble if you're in the room. <laughs> they leave her in a bed of a house that should be all roped off as a crime scene. There's there's three dead bodies. And one still, in the nobody checked all the rooms and all that. You know what I'm and saying? Again, like, again, like this, is what I, this is what I say. This is, like, to me, I don't know if I'm not going to blame Canada or blame whatever town this is supposed to be from. I know it's shot in Toronto. But I'm going to blame just the ineptitude what of must, what must have been law enforcement in the 1970s. Yeah. Again, going back to real life, all these serial killers that were so prominent at the time. Like you said, they were like, oh, she's she just needs to lie down. You know, Like you said, this is a crime scene. We should have already got everybody out of the house and searched the whole house to begin with right off the bat and we still haven't done that we still haven't done that no that that was that was a wild ending and then it, it cuts the attic and obviously the killer is up there and and talking i wonder i was gonna say you know i was thinking about the inept the most inept cop which i believe is sergeant nash if i'm not mistaken uh yeah. maybe he was the inspiration for dewey for you know uh the officer dewey from even saw that yeah, man, I, I wonder, you know, because Wes Craven is, uh, is a, you know, obviously a master of his craft, and I feel like yeah. Dewey's kind of, I mean, obviously he takes that inept cop and kind of turns on his head and being the hero of those of that franchise. Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah, so we got we got a really good OG classic slasher here. This is like you know, an every year watch during Christmas time. I don't think there's a, a horror film that is is better at Christmas time than this. Maybe Gremlins is up there as a regular. You fucking creep. I'm going to kill you. But uh, do you know the inspiration? The inspir There was one serial killer that was, I guess, noted as an inspiration for this one. No. Wayne, I think it's going to be Bowden or Baden. He was the vampire rapist in Canada. Woo! And All he right. killed four, four people. Yeah. No, he doesn't rape vampires, uh, but he bit people. That's Steve's type of man right there. <laughs> Listen. He apparently, you know, raped and, and killed these women, but all... 
three of them were found with like really bad bite marks on the breast, like all over, like vicious. And that's why they called him the vampire rapist. Another, uh, well, the urban legend, the babysitter and the man upstairs, which is all about a babysitter. And uh, she gets phone calls from a man upstairs that says to go check on the kids. And she never checks on the kids to find out the police come over and, and get her out. And the kids have been dead since, I guess, the first phone call. But he keeps calling all night and she just keeps ignoring it. So it's based on that urban legend. Yeah, that's 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 Black Christmas. We don't rank the classics because they're classics, you know, for a reason. Yeah, but uh, some cool stuff again, thrown in the Bob Clark. Some wild stuff. I mean, again, you know, you could debate it. I, I feel like you can't because even John Carpenter has talked a lot about the influence of Black Christmas on Halloween. Halloween, which yeah. to me is Halloween is the quintessential slasher film. I mean, me personally, the, the, the grandfather of all slasher films, you could say. And if they are, the Black Christmas is the great grandfather. Um, and like I said, John Carpenter has gone on point to definitely say that he got a lot of influence from that. But the crazy thing about Bob Clark, and again, you know, must be these guys from Fort Lauderdale. Uh, you know, I don't know what's what's in the what's in the the juice over there. Not only that, did he, but he directed Porky's. Which again is uh, you could very arguably on another you know another podcast or another type of uh, entertainment show you could definitely argue that that was the grandfather of all teen sex comedies. You're talking the American Pies, the Forty Year Old Virgin. Oh, wow. Well, not Forty Year Old Virgin, but Porky's. Porky's is I mean, growing me growing up, Porky's was just before my time. But even I watched Porky's when I like came of age, and that was like before Nerds and before like I said, definitely American Pie. Before Super Bad, Black Christmas Porkies. If that wasn't enough, this guy went on and directed a Christmas story, which again could be definitely argued, debated. Everyone's top oh, five, wow. top ten all time Christmas movies. I'm telling you right now, there's a hardcore part of the generation, which I would say is the generation just a little bit older than us, that a Christmas story is easily top five Christmas movie all time for them. I've I watched a lot as a kid. There's a lot more movies that have brought it down on the list, but A Christmas Story was a classic you watch as a kid. And he, the fact that he's directed just those three movies is insane to me. And then this guy freaking can't stop the hits, and he goes on to direct Baby Geniuses 1 and 2 <laughs> and The Karate Dog, which I feel like I need to take an extra minute here just to try to sell this movie because I feel like we should all watch this movie. Karate Dog <laughs> came out in 2004, directed by Bob Clark, starring Simon Rex, John Voight, Jamie Presley, Pat Morita. Yes. Simon Rex is the detective that teams up with this dog, voiced by Chevy Chase, to help solve the murder of his owner, who's played nice. by Pat Morita. I mean, this this movie's selling me left and right here. Bob Clark, you did it again, brother. Another thing that was kind of crazy was the primetime debut on networks. This was going to play on, on NBC, I believe it was. Was, was going to happen on like January 24th, but... A couple weeks earlier, Ted Bundy happened, you know, at FSU and all that. And then this is very similar to a college getting messed with and murder. And so there was protests. They had to delay it, delay it, delay it. And it finally, finally uh, came out a little bit later on uh, network t- television. But it's just a weird, fun fact, I guess, of a movie being delayed from actual events happening that are too similar or too weird. Homicides happened on January 24th and the movie is supposed to yeah. come on. Saturday, January 28th. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. That's crazy. Again, I know Black Christmas has now had two remakes, one in 2006. It actually starred Michelle Trachtenberg, uh, Lacey Chabert, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. 
um, who've all kind of got a little bit of names and had a little bit of careers there. But then the 2019 when he talked about the Mojin Poots and and um, Carrie Ules. Can you name uh, another horror film with with Ewes in it? Carrie Ules. Yeah, Jigsaw, Jaws. I mean, not Jigsaw. Jigsaw, Jaws, Saw. You see how my brain was putting it together? Jigsaw, Jaws, Saw. Robin Hood, Man in Tights. He started the yeah. He started the first Saw, and actually, was it like Saw four or five after that? Merry Christmas. Do we have any uh, Christmas traditions that you guys carry on? I do. I have a lot of Christmas traditions. I cry myself to sleep. You always want to try to do a Dutch double Dutch. That's double Treader like, Christmas. Man, probably no. not. Okay. Well, I always. Remember remember at least when we would open up one present before before the christmas, christmas Eve. Day. yeah so that was always a nice yeah. one uh and then it was usually a present we can all play together whether it's a karaoke machine or a trivia board game board game yeah yeah, yeah. so that, that i remember that what about christmas movie you have to watch around this time what do you got easy name, easy usually just nightmare before christmas okay. nightmare before christmas no i heard yeah. you it just it's right on the yeah, that's right on the nose for you, I guess. But a little creepy. That's my Christmas movie. I got like some that's my Christmas movie. I got some friends vibes from it, but you know, that's my Christmas movie. I don't know what you want me to do. For all the people, for all the people that have not already gotten it so far in our podcast, <laughs> you could definitely tell Niebauer is the goth one of the group. <laughs> I hate my life. Moody, black, hoodie, goth kid. I watched Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, that's that's him. Shout out to Nibar. You want? Are you doing my Instagram? I don't know what's going on. Maybe my Snapchat. I don't think I can even log back into that. Do you guys really want that? Listen, listen. Any any of my any of our uh, lovely and, and talented and, and fun listeners that that really uh, love us and support us, you definitely hit me up on Snapchat anytime you want. Oh my um, god, we're not doing Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> this is really weird. No, never mind. God damn it. He's gonna get out his grinder name. No, okay. This so is my, this is my grinder username. <laughs> Vonderash. What is it? <laughs> This is where I work. It's a, it's a truck stop bathroom. It's Not again. Stall, stall number three. Not again. God, stall number three. God, holy. Oh. So, Steve, yeah, what about your uh, Christmas go-to movie? Okay, so, um, Chris, I mean, Christmas traditions, you know, take it seriously. I have a lot of them. Always have to decorate the tree with friends, friends and family if you can. Get a new ornament, at least one new ornament every year, and put it up on That's the tree. Cool. Like you said, I even living on my own and, you know, just moving around a lot uh, in my older years, always want to put presents underneath the tree, and I always try to, uh, even if I'm wrapping my own presents, watching Christmas movies, baking cookies. You cry when you wrap your own presents at the same time. <laughs> I do not, but I close my eyes when I do it, so that way it's a surprise when I open it. <laughs> okay. You can't wrap um, and close your eyes. There's no way. <laughs> uh, yes, I can. 100%. 100%. In fact, what I do is, you know, so, so when I order my presents, when the delivery guy shows up, I go outside my house and I tell him, go and hide inside my closet so I don't know where it's at. And then when he leaves later on, when I wrap it, I just do it in the dark. So that way oh, I can't is see. he the one that is he the one that comes into your house then? Well, a lot of people At love night. him. Come, I, mean, I have friends in, that come to, to my house, house, but I don't know about if they're friends, but a lot of people come in. This <laughs> <laughs> number one for me, number one movie must be watched every year around Christmas time. And in fact, I always try to watch on Christmas Eve 
is the number one greatest, most underrated, and somehow also greatest Christmas movie ever made is Die Hard. Bruce Willis, gosh, his name, uh, <laughs> Professor Snape himself, uh, yeah, Alan Rickman. I think it's one of the best action movies ever made. But I also I will stand on that flagpole, stand on that Christmas tree, and die saying that that's a Christmas movie and not only a Christmas movie the best christmas movie in my opinion that's definitely yeah no that's a christmas movie i count that in there but if i if i have to talk about christmas movies i have to watch besides horror films of uh, black christmas and better watch out i definitely watch every season for more of the family friendly one it's the grinch the jim carrey one i always love watching oh jim that's good that's good i almost always either when i'm decorating my tree or indoor wrapping presents i always play the original cartoon Grinch movie. It's only about, I believe, 30 minutes. It's not very long. But yeah. I put that on either background or I watch that. I watch it every year, but like you said, the Jim Carrey one is phenomenal, and, and that's obviously iconic as well. But the cartoon one I always have playing. I can't believe I forget this because I watched it literally like four times this year, and I watch it every year too. But uh, Christmas Vacation. I, li- I watch oh, it Oh, that's year. a classic film. That's a <laughs> that, freaking classic That's my number one Christmas film. Yeah, that's, I can't argue that, though. Christmas drink that I, I, I love around this time because I do love eggnog. Eggnog and amaretto, such a good mix. But I mean, I like regular. I like putting eggnog in like coffee and stuff like that. It's almost like a creamer. All right, so yeah, are we leaving anything in the uh, snowy woods tonight? Yeah, I am. I'm leaving a police manual <laughs> uh, with the bare minimum of what to do to be a police officer. You know what? I even I will even say I will give them a, ma- a mall cop manual. Because that's going to have enough of what you need <laughs> to be able to save people. You know, check all the, the, you know, the rooms. Boom. Done. Problem solved. You know what, though, man? The attic is scary, bro. I don't want to check that room. I'll check all the other rooms. Yeah, I'm going to leave them two things. I'm going to leave them a fucking flashlight so they can shine it up <laughs> to the attic from the outside. They don't have to walk in there and see the first body that they're looking for the whole time. And then the second thing I leave them, I mean, they're in a college town, right? They're, they're, this is already there's a college. I'm going to leave them. Any basic college engineering student that has to be that goddamn university can show them how to tap a phone. They don't need to go to this building with, with clanging metal. The college engineering student, the, the the dumbest one they can find, the D student, I guarantee knows how to tap the phone for the cops. I think we're so off on this one, but... <laughs> Dude, they went to a random factory that wasn't even like a phone place that they went to to show you how to tap a phone. So that factory actually stamped license plates. Tripping in the woods. Trippin' in the Woods! Trippin' in the Woods! Thank you for listening to Trippin' in the Woods podcast. And if you survived the night, please come back for more.